0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That with the NXT Takeover in your house, Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's a lot of words for a single title of one episode, but that is what today is all about. We are going to be previewing, predicting, and breaking down the NXT Takeover In Your House card set for Saturday. It will air at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock or WWE Network outside of the United States, and it very quickly... I don't want to say it went from zero to 60 because the card as it stood before Tuesday night's edition of NXT was strong, but it certainly got much stronger over the course of that go-home show. We're going to talk about the go-home show, everything that happened on NXT this Tuesday, both before and during our TakeOver In Your House Ultimate Preview. We're going to do it all at the same time before we get into the meat of this show. We got to talk about... The appetizers, the side dishes, and that is all about one thing. It's all about the five. It's actually about two things. It's all about the five, and it's also about this. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. It's about those five-star ratings. It's about being marks for the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast and your boy, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, heading on over to Apple Podcasts and dropping those five-star ratings and reviews to let people know how much you love this podcast. We are on an ascent in the rankings. We are on our way to that top 25 professional wrestling podcast area that we want to be. It's a tough, tough market to get into. There are a shit ton of professional wrestling podcasts, but we are just outside. I think we were number 34 last week. We're on the way up. We want to get into that top 25. And you guys, those of you who love this show, which should be everyone listening, Heading on over to Apple Podcasts, giving us that five-star rating, that's great. Giving us a five-star rating with a review, that is amazing, and I would greatly appreciate if you do that. I would also appreciate if you check out our Twitter account, at Getting Overcast, because not only do we tweet live about all four major American shows each week, we also offer pre and post-show polls ahead of pay-per-views and special events like TakeOver, we drop our episodes as soon as they're live across every platform where you can listen to it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, your home devices, et cetera. We drop them right immediately on that Twitter account at Getting Overcast. And perhaps best of all, we do special live shows at Getting Overcast on Twitter by utilizing Twitter Spaces. And our upcoming live show is happening Sunday, 7 pm Eastern we will do a 30 minute NXT takeover in your house go home kickoff show ahead of the official NXT takeover pre-show that you will can see on Peacock and WWE Network. Theirs will be good. Ours will be great and ours is completely free. All you need is a Twitter account. You just follow us at getting overcast and you can listen on iOS, Android, desktop, or mobile web. again, by following us at getting overcast. But that's all the advertising. That's the business that has been taken care of and pushed out of the way. It's time to get into our breakdown. First of some extraneous stuff that happened on NXT Tuesday. We wanna kind of go over things that happened on the TV show that didn't relate directly to TakeOver In Your House. And then we're gonna give you our TakeOver In Your House ultimate preview. One other thing I should mention, originally this show was gonna have some commentary on it about uh, NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Dominion pay-per-view that just went down over the weekend. I decided because this NXT show is so jam-packed, we're gonna save the NJPW breakdown for our AEW episode. Dynamite is going to air once again, Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern. So we will do a Saturday show where we're gonna talk AEW, New Japan, and we'll throw in some other wrestling news as well. So that's gonna be a busy show. We have the NXT TakeOver you know, in your house, instant analysis coming up Sunday once that goes off the air. So we have a huge week here at the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Plenty to talk about. That's why I wanted to ensure that today's show fully focused on NXT. So as I said, let's talk about the television show first. We got an opening match, Austin Theory against Oni Lorkin. There was a quick build to this last week. Pete Dunne walked out right after the first commercial break. Theory showed off an insane springboard seated avalanche Spanish fly. That's the best way I can describe it that I've legitimately never seen before. Now, apparently there's an independent wrestler named A.R. Fox who used to use it or currently uses it, I guess, as his finisher. And he calls it low main pain. Uh, He was in Evolve with Theory. So I do wonder if maybe Theory asked him whether he could use the move, but it was awesome. That was the highlight of the entire match. Johnny Gargano came down and brawled with Pete Dunne. That distracted Theory and allowed... Uh, Oni Lorcan to hit a Dragon-style uradagi kind of slam for the win. It was a solid match that allowed Theory to show his stuff in a prime spot, the first thing you got to see at the beginning of NXT. I get that they had Lorcan win because the match didn't ultimately matter that much. Theory's not in a title hunt or anything like that, but it would have been great to see him get a big singles win over a veteran like Oni. Ultimately, it probably doesn't matter, but... Austin Theory is the truth and his ceiling is extremely high. The Spanish fly move was legitimately sick. And if they could have ended all of that with a victory for the guy, it probably would have done more for Theory than certainly it did for Lorcan getting a win in what was mostly a meaningless match. We also had Swerve against Killian Dane in a singles match. Hit Row interrupted a Legato del Fantasma's segment that we'll talk about a little bit later in our Ultimate Preview. Everything that happened on NXT that has to do with TakeOver... Is all going to be gone over during the ultimate preview. Anyway, so they interrupted that segment. They did a great stare down with Legato. Ashante the Adonis ate popcorn out of a Ziploc bag, and Drake Maverick did shadow boxing with all of Killian Dane's moves during the match. It was really funny if you were watching the ringside action. It was actually, I don't want to say it was better than what was happening in the ring, but it was just as entertaining. Dane nailed Swerve with an awesome crossbody, but Swerve hit all of the signature moves. Both of them got near falls. Adonis distracted Dane late, Maverick took him out, then top dollar dropped Maverick onto the ring apron, Swerve took advantage of Dane being distracted with a running pump kick, and he got the clean win over Killian Dane, which is big. It was great stuff throughout the entire segment from the presentation of hit row to Maverick having Dane's back and Swerve ultimately getting the win. He should be a mid-card title contender and soon champion at a minimum, and this was a really strong step in the right direction It's clear that they see Swerve. They're building him into that mid-card picture. Santos Escobar, they're doing the same thing. It's what we've been talking about on this podcast probably for six to nine months at this point, that both of these guys were better than the cruiserweight division. And it seems like NXT has taken them forward into the mid-card. And that's great because they should be in the mid-card now and then a year from now, or maybe less. We should be talking about them in the main event, challenging for the NXT championship. We also saw Brizongo interviewed backstage about Walter telling Imperium to go after them. They just made some jokes and said it would make sense for them to fight so they could get back into the tag team title picture also. Then Fandango showed his chest to Mackenzie Mitchell, and it was like a pretty funny moment. It was like nonsensical. I've said before that Imperium does nothing for me in the United States because Walter is not there. He's the linchpin to the entire thing. And you all know I'm not the biggest Brizongo fans either. So this is a whole lot of nothing just for me personally, though I do find it impressive how NXT ensures that like 80% to 90% of its roster either has a feud or has something to do, even if you don't see them on television every week. And that's not the same, certainly for Raw and SmackDown, although Raw is getting actually somewhat better at it, which is certainly surprising. And I'd say AEW, they wave in and out of this. Sometimes it's the case for AEW, especially like usually coming right out of pay-per-views when they're able to reset some things. But as they get closer to pay-per-views, they generally just focus in on major storylines that are actually happening on TV. But of course, this is coming from someone who doesn't watch Dark and Elevation because it's just too much wrestling and most of it doesn't matter. So I'm sure there are other storylines happening on those shows as well. Uh, we had Grizzled Young Veterans against August Gray and Giro in a tag team match. Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher came down to watch. They sat down in chairs and GYV won quickly with Ticket to Mayhem as per usual. This was nothing special in terms of the match, but it was cool to see Jiro make his debut. This is a guy who was trained by Yoshihiro Tahiri and Taka Mishinoku. So two of like the original Japanese wrestlers in WWE that fans probably grew up with knowing. Obviously, I think Tajiri, if memory serves, had a stint in ECW as well. And I think the last time we saw him in WWE was during that Cruiserweight Classic. I think Tajiri was part of that as well. But anyway, Taka, Tajiri, that's so cool to have like a guy that both of them trained and mentored now in the WWE universe, in the Performance Center, and kind of maybe we see him blossom into something long term. So that that just was cool for me. Uh, Both teams cut promos about needing to go through each other for the tag team titles. And GYV challenged. Champa and Thatcher to a Tornado Rules match for next week. And we know that is going to be absolutely sick. I'm a huge fan of Tornado Rules. Those four guys you're talking about. I mean, they're not all necessarily big meaty men slapping meat. So that wouldn't be appropriate. But I'm going to tell you what that match is going to be about next week. He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. He all he wants he is. Or as Samoa Joe would say. That's gonna be a hard-hitting, pretty hardcore match. And I'm definitely excited to see that. As an NXT TV match, just one thing that they can promote. I know that some people find Thatcher boring and maybe they don't love Champa in this new kind of gimmick that he has. But those four guys going head-to-head is absolutely gonna rock. So very excited for that. We also had a longer segment where the women of the way were interviewed backstage. Candice LeRae continued being angry that Poppy was getting attention over the women's tag team champions while Indy Hartwell was distracted, still thinking about Dexter Loomis crying after picking up her, uh, I guess it was an iPod. I'm not sure what exactly it was, may have been a CD player. Uh, Last week, Poppy, who is now like NXT's permanent musical guest, was talking to Triple H and William Regal backstage later when she dropped her five track NXT themed, I guess, or specific EP live apparently right on air. Uh, Loomis showed up with a drawing for her and the guys, Triple H and Regal, acted like they were watching people fall in love. It was really funny, the faces they were making in the background. And I highly suggest going back and watching that segment if you missed it, just for Triple H and Regal. They were both very funny. Poppy hugged Loomis, Hartwell saw them and she ran off crying. And then Loomis kind of stared off into the distance. This was mostly promotional, but again, Paul and Regal uh, made it great with their segments. Then LeRae came out to the ring later, challenged Poppy to come face her in the ring, or she said she'd see her in the parking lot. Poppy's music actually hit, which was kind of funny, and she had a pretty sick entrance with a ton of smoke. She said she doesn't wrestle, but she knows someone who does, and she introduced the return of Io Shirai, who looked great with like an awesome coat that Poppy took off of her, almost as if she was like her manager. Uh, Shirai hit a 619 and a springboard missile dropkick to stand tall over LeRae at the end of the segment. So... This was interesting, right? Because Shirai making her return is awesome. We love Io Shirai. We like to see her. But it was a slight bit depressing because there's really nothing else she can do in NXT. She had an exceedingly long run as champion and was extremely successful. And I'm not saying that NXT cannot operate in a world like Raw or SmackDown does where someone loses the title and then three months later they win it back and they have another long run. They can definitely do that. But Io Shirai, someone of her talent level, she needs to be on the main roster as soon as possible because both brands could really use her. Now, personally, I would suggest putting her on an opposite brand from Asuka. But I could also see a scenario where she's on the same brand as Asuka. They do form a tag team. Maybe they win the women's tag team titles. They revitalize that division a little bit. And then Shirai turns on her, goes heel, and goes after the women's championship on what other brand, whichever brand that could be. But... I thought the whole point of her losing the title and taking that time away, I know she went back to Japan to see family and friends and stuff, but my thought was when she came back, she was gonna debut maybe in front of fans, Money in the Bank or SummerSlam or one of the Raws or SmackDowns in between on one of those programs. Maybe they're just waiting and the the WWE draft, we talked about it in our WWE episode, it may be getting moved up into the end of August and early September. And if that's the case and you just give her a couple months in NXT and then you draft her, that can certainly work. It's great to see her back on TV either way, but I don't believe NXT needs to completely rotate its roster anymore because it does operate as its own brand. But there are some people who are getting long in the tooth there. And I think Io Shirai and Adam Cole are two of those people who, if you were able to take them off of NXT and move them into the main roster, they would really blossom and grow and it would be great for all brands because it would open up opportunities over on NXT as well. So, that's really it from NXT the TV show on Tuesday that did not impact the ultimate preview all the matches that we're going to talk about coming up right now. It was really an exceptional go home show. Every single match on the card got additional build, especially the four main matches, and that's just how you do it. Like when you're doing a go home show, the whole point is to sell the event. I know we're not in the age of pay-per-views anymore where they worry about buys and, oh my God, you got to see this on pay-per-view. Don't forget to order from your local cable provider for $49.99. I know we're not in that era of WWE anymore, but you still really want to get people engaged and actively watching your biggest events of the year. And with TakeOver in your house being one of those events, I thought that NXT despite it being a slow start and a little bit of a rushed build, which by the way, they're not alone in doing. AEW had a rushed build to Double or Nothing. WWE right now is having a rushed build to Hell in a Cell. I think a lot of these brands right now are kind of filling in some gaps and just throwing stuff together so that they can reset when they get ready to start in front of fans in July. So because of all of that, I thought it was a very successful go-home show and it definitely got me excited for NXT TakeOver in your house of which we're gonna be doing our ultimate preview right now. One other thing from the TV show to mention, it does relate to this. Doc Hendricks, Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, did two hysterical Slam Jam video previews during NXT, fully in character, breaking down the matches on the card. One of the best things about In Your House last year was all of those little touches, like the stuff with Todd Pettengill and the Ico Pro spots. Now, Pettengill is back to host, although... I don't know if they actually mentioned it on NXT this Tuesday, but they did previously announce he would be hosting the show and that's great. But I hope they have more of these nostalgic type of touches because that's really what made In Your House special. And I know that WWE used some of those elements recently uh, during that throwback SmackDown that they did a couple weeks ago. But my hope is that everything that we get this coming Sunday from that nostalgia perspective is completely fresh and different from what they did last year. Now, we do have a five-match card here, and suddenly, despite thinking only two titles would be on the line, basically five titles are on the line, including one that just got introduced. So, let's break down this card as we always do, starting with the lowest match on the card and working our way all the way up to what we anticipate being the main event. Of course, this is the opposite of what we do on our instant analysis. Sunday night, as soon as NXT TakeOver, in your house is off the air. We will break down the card the opposite way, starting with the main event and working our way down the card. But since we are doing down to up here, we will start with the only match on NXT TakeOver In Your House that is not for a title belt of some kind, and that is Mercedes Martinez squaring off against Zaya Lee. Now, on NXT this Tuesday, Lee attacked Martinez before a scheduled squash match and they brawled. Martinez threw over the barricade started the match, and immediately hit an air raid crash for a win in less than 30 seconds. It was a really cool look for Martinez, but I never even got the name of the woman that jobbed out to her. That's how quick it was. It was a nice little build for the TakeOver match, but this still feels like a TV or pre-show match to me, more than something that's actually TakeOver worthy. They could have split up a match that we're gonna talk about a little bit later into two, which would have made the five match minimum or requirement, whatever you want to call it, for TakeOver, and instead they kind of threw this on the card. On one hand, I'm happy that we have two women's matches on the card, and I'm totally cool with not having the women's tag team titles defended because they've been defended and the titles have changed hands so often recently. But this, again, is just a TV match. The idea that Xia Lee is getting retribution for the May Young Classic four years ago, it's really nice in theory, and it's a good storyline element to bring us into this match. But ultimately, you're wondering to what end? Like, who is going to win this match? You have Mercedes Martinez, who despite looking great and being a veteran and having great matches, she just recently had one with, with Raquel Gonzalez, she's never won anything. None of her feuds. She's lost everything. You have Zia Lee, who probably should not beat Mercedes Martinez, but is part of a group in Tien Shah that NXT is clearly trying to build. Except NXT isn't giving them a lot of TV time. And the leader of Tian Shaw, barely, we barely see her. Boa, we see a little bit more. The guy doesn't wrestle. So, really, it's a group centered around one individual right now in Xiaoli wrestling. So, I don't know exactly what they're going to do here. The, the, there's, as always, two options. On one hand, you have a Mercedes Martinez win. Xiaoli maybe gets punished, or she has to kind of go back and relearn some stuff and and maybe the the shadowy figure who's the leader of Tian Shaw gets into the ring and starts wrestling as well and something happens there. Or you have Xia Li win and perhaps Mercedes Martinez actually leaves NXT and gets elevated into the main roster because again that's someone who is kind of a badass, interesting, a veteran who could be up there. But if she loses this match what else is left for her in NXT? She's basically lost everything. She's already lost to Raquel Gonzalez. I guess you can wait and get her in a feud with someone else and maybe put her in a tag team with someone and she can go after those titles. But it just seems like a match that the stakes aren't high enough to be on takeover. And the build certainly isn't great enough to be on takeover. So as far as a prediction, I will predict Ziya Lee winning, but I do think there's a legitimate case that can be made for Mercedes Martinez winning this if you're trying to keep her elevated. There's just no proof right now that that's what NXT plans to do. Now, we also had previously announced a match between Cameron Grimes and LA Knight that was supposed to take o- take place on TakeOver In Your House, but it got developed in a major way on Tuesday. Knight shot a video in a mansion. He sang Ted DiBiase's theme in the shower and did the million dollar laugh in front of two girls wearing bikinis in a hot tub. This was a better presentation by the way of Knight than anything he has done on TV in a ring or outside of a ring so far. Grimes did the same type of video in his mansion, drinking liquor and smoking a cigar, coughing of course, just to impress DiBiase. They both pulled up to the uh, Performance Center, the Capital Wrestling Center, in expensive cars at the same time and they jotted each other on the way to the ring. DiBiase was in the ring wearing a suit and he said they would have to climb the ladder to success for the Million Dollar Legacy and all of a sudden dropped a gold ladder with dollar signs on it from the ceiling. The guys got in the ring. They both cut promos. Grimes was far superior tonight. And he noticed as he was climbing the ladder that there was nothing to grab, nothing to go and achieve. That led two security guards into the ring with a briefcase. They opened it up to reveal the million dollar championship. So this match went from zero to 60 for me in terms of interest right in this segment. As much as I like Grimes and assumed that the million dollar belt would be on the line, it just didn't feel like this was being built well. This fixed a lot of those problems because Grimes and Knight both came off really well in their video packages. The ladder match stipulation took a somewhat silly match and made it into a potential banger. And a small note, this will be the first time in 30 years, since 1991, that the Million Dollar Championship will be won in a match because the last two people that got them, the ringmaster who became obviously Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ted DiBiase Jr. were both given them by the Million Dollar Man. Austin basically retired it when DiBiase got fired from WWE. And DiBiase Jr. gave the title back to his father, I think during an old school Raw, like 100 days or 150 days or something like that after he started carrying it around. So the championship's been dormant for a very long time, but it actually has not been something that people have contested over uh, for 30 years. So it's pretty cool to see it brought back. And my hope actually, despite me hating the way that AEW basically does not use the FTW title, I believe that should be a contested title in AEW. My hope is that whoever does win this doesn't put it up for grabs. This should just be something that you carry around that enhances the character, not something that, really makes another title in NXT considering they are overloaded right now with championships. When you consider they have a cruiserweight title that the WWE main roster doesn't and they have a NXT women's tag team title for a single brand on a two hour show. So they already have six titles in NXT. They do not need a seventh. However, if the winner of this match carries this around with them as part of their gimmick, I think that would work great. Now, as far as the match, predicting it, again, I went from thinking this would be pretty disappointing because I don't think LA Knight is particularly great in the ring to something that I think may be a sleeper, not to steal the show, but it may be a sleeper where if this is the opening match, we say, holy shit, this is going to be a great takeover. How are others going to follow it? That's my anticipation for it now because a ladder match cures a lot of ills when it comes to in-ring performance. And I think It's very well placed here, climbing the ladder to success, the million dollar legacy and retrieving the million dollar championship. As far as who's gonna win, a case could be made for LA Knight because this gimmick, I've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast. I'm not gonna go over it again. It's a failure. The name, the song, uh, his promos. Yeah, he shows charisma, but they don't hit home with me. Giving him the million dollar championship, maybe even the million dollar man's laugh And just changing things up, making him fresh could really work. But the pick absolutely has to be Cameron Grimes because this is a guy whose entire gimmick is new money, uh, winning, uh, you know, great riches in crypto investing and the stock market. And to have a gimmick like that and be one of two people doing a rich gimmick on a show doesn't work. He needs to be the single individual rich guy. So you give him the million dollar championship. Maybe you have him work with DiBiase as a manager or something like that. A, a millionaire showing him the ropes of how to be rich and how to live the lifestyle properly. That's the direction I would go. And then you just kind of push LA Knight off into something else and you continue building this character separately. This title, this championship, this match does need to go to Cameron Grimes for the good of the character and really for the good of NXT because they have something here with Cameron Grimes and you don't want to make him one of two. You want to make him the guy doing this type of gimmick in NXT. So, so far, that is my prediction. Xylee in the first match, Cameron Grimes in the second match. Now, out of nowhere, seemingly, we got a huge double championship match on NXT TakeOver in your house. The match is going to have the North American Championship and Tag Team Championships defended simultaneously as Bronson, Reed, and MSK team up against Legado del Fantasma in a winner's take all match. On TV, Reed and Santos Escobar had a confrontation. Reed quickly interrupted Escobar and Legado to show replays of that awesome splash he did that I put over really strong last week into the hockey glass. Escobar told him to get in the ring and Reed's like, all right, let me get in there. Jumps in the ring. MSK runs in from the back to get his back, sending Legado Not scurrying off, but they jumped out of the ring. Escobar challenged them to put all the titles on the line and the faces accepted for what is a really unique showdown. Now, we've definitely seen matches like this in WWE before, but they are rare, so it's pretty cool they decided to do this on the pay-per-view. And to give them some credit, the Reed-Escobar thing has been building, I think, for three weeks, and certainly MSK and Legado del Fantasma gave us a great tag team title match two weeks ago on NXT. So putting this all together isn't that surprising. But if I was booking the damn territory, I just would have separated it. Because again, you really don't need the Martinez and Xia Lee match. And Reed Escobar should exist on its own. And MSK Legato, we already saw it exist on its own. That match that we got on NXT two weeks ago, I said it at the time, should have been a takeover match. So if you put those separate on this card, you just have two really great matches as opposed to one with a stipulation that kind of tells us who's going to win. Because while you could make a case for the heels winning the championships here, the idea of giving Bronson Reed the North American championship and immediately taking the title off of him just does not make a shred of sense unless you're planning to quickly move him up to the main roster. And if they're planning to do that and they want to take the titles off MSK, then yes, I can see them going to Legato. But outside of that scenario, it just doesn't make sense. What I have to believe is the plan right now is for MSK to eventually drop the titles to to the Grizzled Young Veterans because before injury kind of changed some plans, that seemed to be a huge match that they were building to. And Bronson Reed, I don't know exactly who he would drop the title to if he retains it here, but there's plenty of other people. He could... Lose it to Escobar one-on-one with Legato interfering. He could lose it to Swerve with Hit Row interfering. And there's others. I mean, we could come up with a bunch of other options. LA Knight is someone who could take the title off of him. Cameron Grimes with some assistance and help, maybe paying people off. That could work as well. So it just wouldn't really make sense for there to be a title change in this match unless they are planning to quickly move Bronson Reed out of NXT over to SmackDown. Or Raw. So, with that, I am going to pick Reed and MSK to retain the titles. It just seems like the obvious booking for me. But this match, without any doubt in my mind, could be the show stealer. I think we're going to get two great main events Raquel Gonzalez and Ember Moon should be awesome. And the Fatal Five Way for the NXT title, which will be the last thing we'll talk about, has four of the best wrestlers in the world, like four of the top 25 wrestlers in the world are probably in that match. And yet, this is the one, just due to the massive size differential between Reed and MSK, some of the things they can do together, the fact that all of Legato Del Fantasma is amazing, these six guys, especially if they're given enough time, and I hope they are, 25 minutes, something like that, they could put on the six-man tag team match of the year. And I think this is a match of the year candidate. Like, not, It's not going to be the match of the year, but it's something that could surprise us To that degree where we look back on it and say, damn, you remember that 4.75 star uh, six man tag team match, winner take all at NXT TakeOver in your house? When we say that, you know, five, six months from now, when we start doing the awards. So I'm excited for it. You can tell these are all guys I like, all six dudes in this match. I'm really, really excited to see this happen. Now let's go to the co-main event for the NXT Women's Championship. As mentioned, Raquel Gonzalez defending her title against Ember Moon. First, we got Moon against Dakota Kai on NXT in a scheduled match. Kai did a really cool move, sliding Moon's head into the ring post under the top rope. Moon hit a flying codebreaker for a near fall and spun Kai into a powerbomb for another. Then Moon got a shot on Gonzalez outside and hit a tope suicida into both of them. She went for the Eclipse, but Gonzalez straight booted her ass right off the top rope. Gonzalez then went for her choke bomb, but Moon countered it into a stunner and then actually hit the Eclipse on Gonzalez to stand tall ahead of TakeOver. This was a damn good match, and it was a great segment with Gonzalez selling the Eclipse like absolute death and commentary putting it over because Gonzalez was laid out. She didn't move right in the middle of the ring after taking it. So I loved that they took something very simple and reminded people, hey, Ember Moon's a former champion, and she just took down a giant. So you better respect her going into this match. Now, actually going into the match and predicting it and previewing it, We already knew that Raquel Gonzalez was retaining. Ember Moon clearly being one half of the tag team champions was just an in-between feud for her. But this made it obvious, the way that NXT ended on Tuesday in this feud, because history tells us that generally, the opposite of what happens on a go-home show is what you get as the result of the match at the pay-per-view. So using that logic, we, of course, even though we were going to anyway, have to pick Raquel Gonzalez, to retain the title, and she really should retain the title. She just won it. She's someone who we've been waiting to get this opportunity. We were thinking it was going to come in a feud with Rhea Ripley before Rhea Ripley ended up getting called up, and they had Raquel Gonzalez take the title directly off Io Shirai. But I'm just really excited to see this all play out, and I think this match is going to rule. If the taste of what we got Tuesday is more of what's to come when Moon and Gonzalez go head-to-head... Then we're in for something special. And by the way, they only fought one-on-one one one other time. It was in December of this past year. Gonzalez beat Moon clean, and it was a really good match. That was 13 minutes. You give this thing 20, I think we're going to have, you know, a top two or top three match on the show. And of course, the NXT championship is on the line in a fatal five-way main event, Karrion Kross defending against Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. So let's start with what happened Tuesday on NXT TV. There were brawls by all the competitors at different points, backstage and outside and just all over the place. Regal and Cross were in the ring for the main event segment, which was just supposed to be a confrontation between all the guys. And Regal was yelling because he's getting pissed and he's on edge, saying that Cross doesn't dictate things. He's the general manager of the show. He's the one who dictates how things go. Cross answered, he grabbed the mic that NXT has been out of control for a while and he's gonna make sure this five-man confrontation happens. And I should note that as this entire thing took place, every time the camera found Regal, he looked really upset and bothered by the entire thing, kind of just like, I've had enough of this shit, like I'm too old for this shit. And I do wonder what that is lending to, if they're going to elevate someone else into the role of general manager or my guess which I've been saying for months now, is at some point, Regal puts together a loser leaves town match in NXT. And it would make sense for it to... I said at the time, I expected it to be Adam Cole versus Kylo O'Reilly, but they didn't do it for that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it for Adam Cole versus Karrion Cross, But it all depends how this match finishes. So once Cross kind of said, hey, let's get this confrontation going, O'Reilly came out, he called Cross insecure, Gargano come out, insulted Cross's wrestling ability. Uh, Cross came back and said that Gargano's a mark, which I thought was weird and not really out of place for the segment. Dunn said he just wants to fight, and then Cole appeared on screen saying he's humiliated everyone in that ring and in the CWC. He called Cross a moron because he verbally annihilated him last week, and he called his NXT championship reign a total disappointment. The other four guys started brawling with Cross standing tall after a forearm to the back of Kyle Riley's head, until Cole came out of nowhere with a couple super kicks and the last shot to knock out Cross and stand tall at the end of the show. This was as good of a go-home segment as you can get for a fatal five-way match. It wasn't overplayed with guys cutting long promos and entrance music and one person after the other coming out. That's what you'd see on Raw or SmackDown or something like that. Instead, it was very natural, people coming out of the woodwork, different parts of the CWC, Adam Cole coming in at the end. It was all just really, really strong. And cross even looked great because as these guys were attacking him, he was fending them off and you know, just tossing you know, outside the ring, hitting that forearm on Kyle O'Reilly. It all made a lot of sense to me. Now, if we're using the same barometer for predicting this match as we did for Raquel Gonzalez and Ember Moon, which is the opposite of what happens on TV on the go-home segment actually happens on the pay-per-view. Then Adam Cole is not winning the NXT championship because he's the guy who stood tall. That really brings us down to four guys. And the way I look at it is kind of process of elimination. I really don't think they're gonna have Johnny Gargano win the title. He's just coming off the North American championship run. He's been an NXT champion a couple of times. And his gimmick with the way does not require him to have any title, let alone the NXT Championship. So I'm pushing him out. And that takes us down to Karrion Cross retaining, Kyle O'Reilly winning the title, and Pete Dunne potentially winning the title. I do think there's a case to be made for Pete Dunne winning because he, you know, joined NXT in the United States, quickly had to go back to England and the United Kingdom due to the coronavirus pandemic. He finally gets back. And since he's been back, he hasn't really accomplished anything. He lost the one NXT Championship match that he had. And we've seen, with him being the longest reigning, or maybe it was previously the longest reigning NXT UK Champion prior to Walter, we saw that this guy can carry a championship, put on great matches. He's a good promo, great in the ring. And I think he's someone who would make a lot of sense as NXT Champion. I just don't think he makes the most sense. And I don't know that it really. Moves the brand forward to go from Karrion cross a brawler who isn't an exciting in-ring technician, to a guy who is a very good in-ring technician, but wrestles more of a technical style and doesn't really give you the panache that someone like a Finn Balor or an Adam Cole or even to some extent a Johnny Gargano or former NXT champions like Andrade, Drew McIntyre, guys like that do. So for all those reasons, I don't think you, have, you can put the title on Pete Dunne. And that brings us to one of two options, Karrion Cross retaining the title or Kyle O'Reilly winning the NXT championship. And I think what Adam Cole said in his promo is there's a lot of truth to that. And we've talked about it extensively on this podcast. And I am far from the only person in wrestling media to say that Karrion Cross, as champion is boring. The gimmick and the character, I actually like Karrion cross. I know some people don't, but now that he's transitioned away from the more spooky aspects of it to kind of like a hitman, which is kind of the way I look at his character now. And there, that because of that, there's a little bit less emphasis on Scarlet, even though I wish there was a little bit more emphasis on Scarlet because she's such a big part of getting him over. It, he is an interesting person to watch wrestle and be part of a wrestling brand, but he's really not someone who's gonna carry a brand and be that champion who just, you know, takes the NXT organization into a new era, which is really where it needs to enter. And I'm not necessarily saying that Kyle O'Reilly is, because as entertaining as he is, as much of a fan favorite as he is, there's legitimate criticisms for this new character, the cool Kyle character I know it's him being himself, but Kyle O'Reilly being himself may not be the best version of Kyle O'Reilly to be a world champion, which is what the NXT championship is. So when you run it all down, you break it down to these final two options, you really don't have a good one. But this is what I'll say. With WWE making as many cuts as it did recently, getting rid of Samoa Joe, getting rid of Braun Strowman, there's a need on the main roster for new talent and big talent. And Karrion Cross was never properly placed in NXT. His gimmick, Scarlet, everything about him is a main roster character. He's someone who you could put on Raw or you could put on SmackDown and it makes all the sense in the world. And by the way, I should also mention, since I said Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman, they also got rid of Aleister Black. And Karrion Cross and Aleister Black could not really exist in the same universe. Now that Aleister Black's gone, even though Black is far better of a character, he's just as good of a mic worker, and he's far better in the ring than Carrying Cross. so this would be technically a downgrade. There is a spot on SmackDown and a spot in WWE where you could use Cross. The same is not the case for Kyle O'Reilly, who in every conceivable way is an NXT superstar. And that's not an insult. That's just a fact. And I'm sorry that I quoted LA Knight there. I did not mean to, but it is the truth. Kyle O'Reilly and the feuds that you could do with him, again, with an Escobar, with a swerve, with Pete Dunne, them going head-to-head one-on-one, even if you wanted to have another Adam Cole match, there's a lot that you can do with the NXT championship with Kyle O'Reilly, despite his gimmick, that you really can't do with and Cross because if Cross wins this match, then who the hell is left for him in NXT? Really, the only person would be Bronson Reed. And in order for that to happen, you gotta take the newly won North American championship off Bronson Reed, and you have to commit to making Bronson Reed the NXT champion. So because of all of those things, I don't see a scenario where it makes sense for Karrion Cross to retain the title in a fatal five way, which gives him so many different excuses in how he can lose the championship without being pinned or submitted. So I, there's two predictions here. The first is Karrion Cross loses the NXT championship at NXT TakeOver in your house. And the second is that Kyle O'Reilly comes out of NXT TakeOver in your house as the new NXT champion. And that is a for better or for worse scenario. We'll have to see how it develops and how it plays out. You could make an argument also, I'll just give you one more here before we go, that if you are gonna put the title on Kyle O'Reilly, you should probably do it in front of fans. Not the small group that's going to be at the CWC, but at a minimum, a medium-sized crowd that you'd get at Full sale, or perhaps a larger crowd that you'd get by running TakeOver at an arena. But because you don't do TakeOvers every month, and because there's so much happening in July and August for WWE with Money in the Bank and SummerSlam, you're talking about holding that off a number of months which would potentially hold off Karrion Cross's ascension to the main roster until the end of the year or maybe even the Royal Rumble. And I just happen to believe that Karrion Cross is one of those guys that they've pigeonholed to say, you know what? We got you the NXT championship. The fan response hasn't been great. The ratings haven't been great. Let's make a change for better for you and for better for NXT. And I think that's what they're planning to do here. So again, Cross drops the title. Kyle O'Reilly wins it. We'll see if I'm Correct on both, or maybe just one of those. But I am interested to see kind of how NXT ends up booking this match, which should really be incredible. Because again, you have four ridiculously great in-ring wrestlers in this match, Cole O'Reilly, Dunn, and Gargano. And we recently saw that Finn Balor took Karrion Cross to by far his best match in NXT. And we recently also saw Santos Escobar take Karrion Cross to a pretty good street fight match as well. So given it's a fatal five-way, which means no rules, potential for weapons, fighting all over the arena. And given the fact that there's an excuse here, cross-dropping the title makes the most sense. And I am really excited for what should be a fantastic main event. They do not do multi-man NXT title matches that frequently. And they certainly do not do Fatal 4-Ways and Fatal 5-Ways. This is definitely the first Fatal 5-Way for the NXT title ever. All of that, when you combine it, creates a really exciting uh, potential main event and a really exciting five-match card that should be fantastic. Now, as far as an expectation grade, which is what we always do here before we get into the event itself and we give our post-show grade on the NXT TakeOver In Your House Instant Analysis, I'm gonna go into this expecting an A-minus show. If you asked me a week ago, I probably would have said B+, plus. but the fact that they not only confirmed the million-dollar championship, but also made that a ladder match and added what should be an insane six-man winner-takes-all North American Championship and NXT Tag Team title match, that to me says this could be a top-tier type of NXT TakeOver. But I think any time that you look at a card and it doesn't include like solo matches, like a singles match for the NXT title, and this winner-take-all type of thing, if those were split up in between two matches, that would give me an expectation of an A, because those aren't the matches that are booked it does create the potential for pitfalls either in one or both of those matches and again usually takeover cards top to bottom are absolutely stacked this is stacked but the bottom that first match mercedes martinez and zia lee i just don't have high expectations for that so i'm coming in with an a minus expectation that is high by the way especially when i go into a double or nothing with a b and I go into most WWE pay-per-views with anywhere from a B-plus to a B-minus. An A-minus expectation grade is high, but I think this is going to absolutely deliver, and I cannot wait for it to not only happen on Sunday, but for us to talk about it Sunday night as soon as NXT TakeOver in your house is off the air with another instant analysis podcast from your boys at Getting Over. Vintage Chris Vanini will be joining me for that one. As far as what's in store for you, the rest of the week here on Getting Over. As I said, we will be back on Saturday with a full recap of the latest edition of AEW Dynamite, along with a breakdown of NJPW Dominion, two big matches of kind of a co-main event that they had for Dominion. We'll talk about both of those, along with any extra wrestling news that we missed that transpires throughout the end of the week. And then, as I said, Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on Twitter Spaces, We will do a live NXT TakeOver in your house, go home kickoff show. It'll be 30 minutes. Once we're done, you will get the official NXT pre-show on Peacock and then NXT TakeOver in your house beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. So we're giving you an extra half hour of content before NXT even begins. I hope all of you follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. And I've already sent a tweet out about this live show. So you can actually click on it and set a reminder. That way your phone will alert you if you have iOS or Android Twitter apps. It'll alert you when it's about to start. You can jump in and listen to us and not miss a second of it live. And of course, as I said, once it goes off the air, NXT TakeOver in your house, instant analysis in podcast form will be delivered straight to your phones and all of your media devices as soon as possible at the end of the pay-per-view. And do not forget next week, we're doing this all again for WWE Hell in a Cell. So I appreciate you all listening to our extensive NXT TakeOver In Your House Ultimate Preview. As always, do not forget, it's not just about following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. On this podcast, it's all about the fun. marks for yourselves and go back to a mark for me that's all about heading on over to apple Podcasts, dropping those five-star ratings and leaving reviews with what you love about your favorite wrestling podcast thank you all for listening i will see you on saturday and then twice on sunday so with that the silver king is going to leave you with three final words bye for now